Hey, this is Stephen, and I want to welcome you or welcome you back to the Grove Church Podcast. For more information or to find more resources like this one, be sure to visit us at grove.org. Thanks for listening, and I hope the following message is encouraging and meaningful to your life. Hi, my friends, and welcome to the Grove Online. We are so glad that you are worshiping here with us this morning. Wherever you find yourself, we are so glad that you're with us. Whether you are on the road traveling right now, whether you are watching from a hotel room somewhere beautiful, hopefully, or whether you are at home with your family on the couch, nice and comfy, we are so glad that you are here today. Now, I got to be honest, this is a little strange for me because this is week two of me preaching to an empty room. So here's what I need from you this morning. I need you to participate in ways that you've never participated before. So normally you're all very polite when you come in and you sit there and you listen and you laugh occasionally and humor me at some of my jokes. But this morning, I need you to clap and applaud and cheer the whole time. I'll be able to feel it through the lens of the camera and all of the digital mediums, all the electrons that are flowing between the camera and your home. I'll feel it. And so that's what I'm asking from you this morning. Now, this new reality that we find ourselves in is, at least for me, a little strange. My guess is for you, it's a little strange as well. Everything that we know for the most part has kind of been upended and turned upside down. And so the question that I've been asking again and again and again this week is like, okay, now what? How do we respond? What do we do? How do we begin to rebuild some sense of normality in a world that for the most part is devoid of all sense of like normalcy? So how do we begin to start to build routines and structures and how do we go about processing all of the facts and all of the information that we're receiving and also beginning to try to pick up some of the pieces and begin to move on? And so if you're like me, this is a very strange place to be in. It's an unusual place. It's an uncertain place. And again, the hardest point, I think for me in all of this, is we just don't know how long we're going to be in this place. Now, I'm not in the forecasting business, but I think we need to be prepared that this lasts longer than we think it will. And I don't say that to scare anybody. And I don't say that to create some doomsday sense of what's going to happen down the road. But I say it as a reminder that it is better to be more proactive in our planning, more long-term in our planning, and be pleasantly surprised if this you know, resolves in just a couple of weeks. But I think the reality is that this is going to be the new normal for the next little while. Now, I think it's going to be longer than the next couple of weeks. It'll probably look more like months. And I know for some of you, as you've been trying to figure out how you do e-learning with your children and they never leave the house and they're always there and you're in this new dynamic and reality with your spouse, or if because of social distancing, you've kind of lost all contact in person with like just people day to day if you live alone, all of this is really difficult. And so the idea and the thought that this is going to be longer than just a couple of weeks might be scary. It might be really hard. It might be anxiety producing. But this morning, I want to talk about how we begin to navigate this, how we begin to navigate this new reality that we're in, and what do we do, and how on earth as people of faith should we respond to this? Now, the good news for us is that the Scripture, the entire pages of Scripture, 
were written in contexts very similar to the ones that we find ourselves in today. Now, not necessarily that they were navigating plague and disease and economic crisis, but throughout all of the stories of Scripture, they are born out of immense periods of uncertainty, immense periods of pain and sadness and loss and wandering and wondering and periods of hopelessness. And so I want to look at one particular time period where we have a variety of writings come out of, and I want to look at those writings to help us to begin to acknowledge what it might look like for us to begin to move forward, how we begin to put the pieces back together, and how we can maintain hope throughout this entire process. And so I want to jump into the Psalms. Now, if you're kind of new to Scripture, the Psalms are collections of poems and songs and writings that were recorded throughout an entire wide-ranging time period, but they were all kind of words written to God. So much of the Scripture we understand as God's Word to us, but the Psalms are unique in the sense that they are kind of our words written back to God, often in response to um, unfavorable or unfortunate circumstances. Because like many of you, I find myself most inclined to pray, most inclined to talk to God when things go sideways, when I'm struggling and when I'm suffering and when I'm hurting. And so the Psalms are no different than that. They are born out of a lot of pain and a lot of uncertainty. And so the Psalm that we're going to look at this morning is Psalm 137. And it's written in a very specific and very important context in the story of the people of Israel. Now, for hundreds of years after the exile from Egypt, the people of Israel began to build their own kingdoms and tried to figure out how they navigated life. And eventually they found themselves being conquered by a foreign country. This Babylonian empire came and captured everybody. They took the best and the brightest and they shipped them off to Babylon. And so you have this strange reality where the people of Israel are no longer in their home country. They're no longer able to interact with their friends and family that they maybe grew up with their entire lives. They're, they're, they're facing this kind of social distance, but in a totally different way than we are. They find themselves prisoners, captives in a foreign land. And this is a whole new reality they, be, they begin to think through and try to process through. How do we navigate this place that we find ourselves in? Because everything they knew about life has been upended, similar to us. Everything that they came to trust, to rely on, to put their hope in, was all of a sudden gone. Their kids no longer able to go to the schools that they once went to. Many of the jobs that people found themselves working day in and day out, those are gone. Any sense of maybe prosperity or wealth or financial stability, that was out the window as well. There was probably a lot of physical pain and suffering, illness, sickness. All of this was a part of their new reality. They went from this place of prosperity, everything being good, to this new place of despair and uncertainty. And this place of not knowing when they would ever get back to Jerusalem. Not knowing when they would ever be back in their homelands, when life would ever return to the way that it normally was. And so it's in all of this context that these words that we're going to look at this morning are written. The writer of this psalm says this, Alongside Babylon's streams, there we sat down crying because we remembered Zion. Now Zion was the name that they had for Israel, for Jerusalem. And so they're sitting there acknowledging that they're in total despair. 
they're heartbroken thinking about they may never get back to where they once were. I know for some of us, as we kind of survey what's happening in the world right now, maybe some of us feel a lot of despair. I'm not naive to ignore the reality that some of the economic impacts that this crisis has had on our world and on your worlds. I know many people who are beginning to feel the effects financially because of job losses or job cuts or you know, pay cuts that they've had to take. So this hits everybody. And this is true for the writer of this song. So they're sitting by Babylon streams. They're in a foreign land, dreaming about, longing for better times, older times, times from the past when everything was as it used to be. And so it says, we hung up our lyres in the trees because that's where our captors asked us to sing. So you can imagine this group of people enchained being marched along the side of a river and the captors, these, this Babylonian empire saying, listen, we want you to sing some songs, play some songs for us, songs from your country, songs from your homeland, songs about the way things used to be. And this puts them in a place of despair when they begin to think about how things used to be. And so they respond back to their captor's request for a new song. And it says, sing us a song about Zion. And then they say, how could we possibly sing the Lord's song on foreign soil? Everything about what we loved, we put our hope in, we put our trust in, the thing that we valued and celebrated in our lives, all of that is gone from us. We find ourselves on foreign soil, And you want us to sing the Lord's song, a song about Zion, a song about who we are as a people. We don't know who we are as a people anymore because everything that used to define us has been taken away from us. And so you can kind of see this crisis that the people of Israel find themselves in and the writer of this 137th Psalm finds himself in, acknowledging that the reality that they're in is painful, just like the reality that many of us are in is really painful. Some of us, we're in the place where the reality is just highly inconvenient right now. Some of us, we're in the place where we know loved ones who are sick. We know loved ones who have lost their jobs. We know loved ones whose 401ks and retirements have been cut in half because of what's happened in the stock market. We know the impacts that this is having on so many of you. And so we know that it is really difficult right now to begin to think about how you could even hold on to that which you used to hope in. How could I ever sing the Lord's song? I am on foreign soil. This place that I find myself in is wildly unfamiliar, highly uncertain, and deeply unsettling. And so what do we do when we find ourselves in this place? What do we do when we find ourselves in a place that we never thought we'd be and we'd never want to end up in? How do we begin to move forward. Now, I think what I've heard over the last week is kind of two different takes in response to this reality that we find ourselves in, both of which I think are incorrect. And so I want to begin to first look at those two approaches and then look at maybe what I think is a better way and a third way. The first response to all of this reality is to just sit by the river and cry, to do what the writers of the 137th Psalm do. I think there is a place and a a time to acknowledge the suffering and the pain and the heartache that all of this causes. My fear is that there will be far more to come. And so I'm not saying ignore the present reality, but I'm saying that when you spend your time focusing on the doom and gloom, 
you know, wringing your hands and wondering if it's ever going to get any better, getting caught up in your fear and your worry and your panic and your anxiety, fretting about this uncontrollable future. We talked a little bit about that last week. Spending all of your time and your energy, mentally, physically, emotionally, bemoaning your current situation, crying out to God, why, why, why? I think if that's the only response we have to these times, I don't think it's productive. I think there is a time to acknowledge our reality. There is a time to assess the damage that's been done, to accept what has happened as facts, but to only stay in that place leaves us without any hope. And as people of faith, we were never meant to live this life without hope. And then there's the other alternative. This is one that I hear espoused by, unfortunately, many Christian leaders right now. It's the don't worry, God's got us. Don't spend any time acknowledging your present reality. At any moment, God's going to fix the situation. Now, I believe that there is a truth to that. I'm not saying that God isn't ultimately in control. But I think the unfortunate error that that message does is it ignores the current circumstances that we find ourselves in. It doesn't acknowledge the pain that people experience. It doesn't acknowledge the hurt and the suffering and the anxiety that is happening right now in our world. And so you have two ends of the spectrum. One is like, let's just focus on all the bad. And the other is let's ignore all the bad and let's just keep our fingers crossed that God does something miraculous. I think we should hope and pray that God does something miraculous. But I think there's more for us to do. And it's this third way. But this third way feels a bit like a paradox. Now, if any of you remember Jim Collins' book, From Good to Great, uh, he talks about this thing called the Stockdale Paradox. And I want to read to you from Jim Collins' book, Good to Great, where he talks about this Stockdale Paradox named after Admiral Jim Stockdale, because I think it gives us a little bit of direction on how we're supposed to move forward in these uncertain times. So Jim Collins says this. He says, The name, the Stockdale Paradox, refers to Admiral Jim Stockdale, who was the highest-ranking United States military officer in the Hanoi Hilton. This is a prisoner of war camp during the height of the Vietnam War. Stockdale was tortured over 20 times during his eight-year imprisonment from 1965 to 1973. Stockdale lived out the war without any prisoner's rights, without a set release date, and no certainty as to whether he would even survive to see his family again. You can imagine that he found himself on foreign soil, wondering if he would ever get back to his homeland. Stockdale shouldered, shouldered the burden of command, doing everything he could to create conditions that would increase the number of prisoners who would survive unbroken, while fighting an internal war against his captors and their attempts to use the prisoners for propaganda. After his release... Stockdale became the first three-star officer in the history of the Navy to wear both aviator wings and the Congressional Medal of Honor. How on earth did he deal with it when he was actually there, but he didn't know the end of the story? Now this is Stockdale speaking. I never lost faith in the end of the story, he said. I never doubted not only that I would get out, but also that I would prevail in the end and turn the experience into the defining event of my life, which in retrospect, I would not trade. Finally, I asked, then who didn't make it out? Oh, that's easy, he said. The optimists. 
The optimist, Collins responds, I don't understand. Now I'm completely confused. Stockdale responds back, the optimists, they were the ones who said we're going to be out by Christmas. And Christmas would come and Christmas would go. And then they'd say, we're going to be out by Easter. And Easter would come and Easter would go. And then Thanksgiving, but then it would be Christmas again. And Stockdale said, and they eventually died of a broken heart. And then Jim Collins writes, then he grabbed me by the shoulders and he said, this is a very important lesson. You must never confuse the need for absolute unwavering faith that you will prevail in the end, which you can never afford to lose with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they are. Friends, let me say this again for you. We must never confuse the need for absolute unwavering faith that we will prevail in the end. We can never afford to lose that hope, to lose that faith. But we also must have the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of our current reality, whatever they may be. Now, while our current reality is not ideal, while our current reality is dark and painful for many of us, I think in this current place, we have an unbelievable opportunity. An opportunity to re-examine the way that we live our life. An opportunity to re-examine how we conduct our relationships. An opportunity to re-examine the things that we put our hope and trust in. This is an unbelievable chance, albeit painful, an unbelievable chance to reset the trajectory of our lives. And I hope and my prayer for all of us is that we don't waste this opportunity, that we acknowledge the brutal reality, the things that we're dealing with, the things that we have to navigate, the things that we will navigate in the future, but that we'll never let go of the hope that we will prevail in the end. And so Psalm 137 is not the only psalm or not the only piece of writing that comes out of this Babylonian exile. It's not the only piece of scripture that we have that addresses this unfortunate and brutal reality of captivity that the Israelites find themselves in. There's another passage, a whole book called the book of Jeremiah with Jeremiah the prophet writing during this time period, during this period of unfortunate circumstances, during this period of exile and longing and suffering and loneliness and despair. And this is what Jeremiah writes that I want to remind us of. Now, this passage, if you've been around the grove for any amount of time, this passage will begin to sound familiar because it is the passage that we founded this church upon. It's the passage that we derive the name of the grove from. And so if you're familiar with the movie, The Karate Kid, and the scene where Mr. Miyagi is teaching Daniel how to fight, but he's not actually teaching him how to fight directly, He's teaching him how to wax the car. You wax on and you wax off. And he's teaching him how to paint the fence. And secretly, through all of that repetition and through all of that practice, Mr. Miyagi is teaching Daniel how to fight. Well, for the last two and a half years, what we do here at the Grove has been preparing us for this moment I am confident of. All of the times that we've gathered together to sing songs, to pray prayers, all of the sermons that I have preached and that you have heard, is similar to that wax on and that wax off, painting the fence, learning the rhythms and the disciplines that will allow us to move forward and take advantage of this opportunity, albeit an unfortunate 
and an unchoosable reality, this circumstance that we would never pick for ourselves. But I think there is great hope for us. And it is a hope that I hope that we never let go of. And so let, let us jump into this passage from Jeremiah as he begins to remind us of what we should be doing when we find ourselves in this dark and troubling reality. Jeremiah says this, written in the context of the Babylonian exile, blessed are those who trust in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. I think what's been interesting over the last several days is the brutal reality, the confrontation that we've had with where we actually placed our trust. What does it mean to actually trust in the Lord? What does it actually mean that the Lord is our trust? For many of us, we trusted in so many other things. All of these institutions that we assumed would never fail. All of these things created by man that we knew would last forever, that were impervious to circumstances. And now we're being reminded with the cold, hard facts that there's only one place that we can place our trust. And in fact, Jeremiah says this over a thousand years ago, writing about this. He says, listen, not only are those who trust in the Lord blessed, but just a couple of verses before that, he compares it to a group of people who don't trust in God. And he says, miserable, destined for failure, cursed are those who trust in mere humans, those who depend on human strength alone. Many of us have found ourselves examining the rubble of those things that we used to place our trust in. This stock market that was only going up. This system of life that we built for ourselves where we go from one thing to the next because those were the things that were most important. All of a sudden, all of this comes crashing down because it was never capable of withstanding whatever would come. And we find ourselves and we find people who would have never mentioned God turning to God. People wanting to flock to the church and to the message of the church because for thousands of years, the church has been the hope of the world. And in times like these, we find that it still is the hope of the world. And we're all being reminded of the honest and hard truth that it's only in God that we can place our trust. And so Jeremiah says, blessed are those who trust in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. And then he begins to paint a word picture of what those people's lives will be like when they place their trust in God. When they begin to let go of their desire to hold on to those things that can never support them. When they begin to look only to God for their direction, only to God for their sense of purpose, only to God for the way to make meaning in their life. Jeremiah says, they shall be like a tree planted by water, sending out its roots by the stream. Now, friends, I think the opportunity that we have during this time where we have an abundance of time, maybe most of all, while we lost so many things, we have gained time. And that is one of the most precious commodities that we have in our life. And so my question for you this morning would be, how are you spending this time? And I want to let you in on the opportunity to spend your time intentionally planting yourself into the reality of God. Intentionally planting yourself into relationship with God. Maybe some of you have started and stopped with trying to read your Bible or spending time in prayer first thing in the morning or last thing at night. Or maybe having conversations at the dinner table with your children about things of faith. 
When we get caught up in all of the busyness, all of the things of man, all of the things of this world, it is easy to lose sight of that, which is most important for things that we've deemed more important. But we have this opportunity. We have a chance to replant ourselves, to reestablish a relationship with God. And I think that what we see from Jeremiah, it is going to be the thing that sees us through. The hope that we have, this unwavering absolute faith that we should have in these dark circumstances is not one based on ourselves, our own strength, our own intelligence, our own abilities, or that of any institution in the world. No, our hope should be in God. And we can access that when we plant ourselves in him. And so that's what Jeremiah says. He says, the people who put their trust in God, they'll be like a tree planted, sending out its roots by the stream. And here's maybe a word of hope for some of you. It shall not fear when heat comes. Its leaves shall stay green. It will be impervious to external circumstances or undulating internal feelings. All of the things, all of the fear, all of the anxiety that might come because of what we see on the news or because of what we read in the paper. All of those things we will be immune to. We will be impervious to. Because we are anchored in a truth and a hope and a reality greater than the day-to-day circumstances and news of this world. Now, again, I'm not naive. And I don't think that this means that nothing bad will ever happen, that you'll be immune and free from pain in your life. That is not what we're promised. But what we're promised is that we will be able to see through to the other side in the midst of the storms, in the midst of the reality that we find ourselves in. We will take hits. It will hurt. It will be painful. We will lose things and we will have to mourn during this time period. But when we we put our trust in God, when we plant ourselves in God and we send our roots along the stream to tap into his nourishment, to tap in to his encouragement, to his peace, to his hope, then when we find ourselves in places like this and places that we will find ourselves in in the future, we don't have to be afraid. Our leaves stay green Our spiritual life stays renewed, stays flourishing. Now, our bank account, it might take a hit. Our job opportunities, they might disappear. Our patience might be fleeting with our family. But the thing that matters most, our spiritual life, that that will stay strong. That will continue to grow and to flourish when we put our trust in God. And then the writer says this, it says, in the year of drought, it is not anxious. And friends, I think we need to prepare ourselves for it more towards the year end of drought than the week end. What I mean is I think this is going to last longer than just a couple of weeks, like I said. It might last months. It might last a year. This might last two years. I don't mean to make you nervous. I don't mean to sound an alarm but I want you to recognize this. It doesn't matter how long this lasts. It doesn't matter what happens because when we place our trust in God, we will be able to get through this. We will have a hope and a faith that helps us prevail in the end. And just like Admiral Stockdale, it can be the defining moment of our lives. And this is how Jeremiah ends it. And this is how I think we as a people of faith, we as a church can make this opportunity the defining moment in our lives. And the year of drought is not anxious. 
and it does not cease to bear fruit. Friends, when the world seems to be falling apart around us, we have an opportunity more than ever to be the hope of Christ, to be the hope that people look to, to experience the love and the joy and the peace that we find in God. We can share that with other people. It doesn't matter what's happening all around us. We have an opportunity to bear fruit despite all of our circumstances, despite the reality that we find ourselves in. Yes, we have to acknowledge what's going on in the world and we can hold on to hope that there are better times ahead and we can be responsible for creating those future circumstances that we long for. I have been so encouraged by all of the stories that I've heard of people going and getting groceries for neighbors, of people sharing finances, people supporting businesses and restaurants, all of the ways that we are coming together to do good, to share and to love and to support and to care for. I mean, look at this unbelievable opportunity that we have. Ways that we have tapped into relationships that we never would have tapped into before. The ways that we call and check in on each other the ways that we send encouragements, the ways that we support and care for those around us who we have never thought to care for before. This is an unbelievable opportunity that we have in the midst of this painful reality and circumstance. And as people of God, we are best positioned to make an unbelievable impact. We are best positioned to continue to bear fruit in this moment. And so I hope that you will begin to re-examine your current reality, to look at all of the hard facts. Some of them will be painful, but in the midst of those painful circumstances, to identify the opportunities that you have to begin to bear fruit, the opportunities that you have to replant yourself along the stream of God, to tap into the opportunity to grow your trust in God and who God is and what God can do in your life. Friends, God has not given up on us. And there is opportunity today to take advantage of all of the things that are happening around us. My hope and prayer is that despite this circumstance, despite finding ourselves in a foreign and uncertain place, that we will recognize that we have something that we can keep our faith and trust in. A God who has never left us and a God who is encouraging us hopeful that we will use this as an opportunity to continue to bear fruit and to share God's love with others. I love you and I'm praying for you and your family. Let me pray for us together. Gracious and loving God, we come to you this morning and we are grateful. We are grateful that you love us. God, we acknowledge that our reality and circumstances are painful, that they are uncertain. But in the midst of that, we have a never-ending hope in you, a hope that we can hold on to in the midst of any reality. And so God, inspire us, empower us, equip us to serve your people, to share your love with each other. God, we're grateful. We're thankful for this opportunity to gather, even if it's not in person. God, we are grateful for this chance to gather. The buildings may be closed, but your church is still open. And there's now more than ever, the great opportunity for your church to go out into the world to make a difference. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks again for listening. 
If you live in the Dallas area, we would love for you to visit us. For directions, service times, and more info, visit us at grove.org.